You're listening to the Between Two Paddles podcast, brought to you by The Lake & Co., where we believe we're only as good as the company we keep. Lake & Co. is a company comprised of three very different entities, Lake Time Magazine, Lake Bride Magazine, and The Lake & Co. Shop. Lake & Co. is inspired by and celebrates the stories of people doing exceptional things in the North, local, authentic, and inspired. We are an independent, bootstrapped, community-driven, women-owned company built on hard work, enthusiasm, and a whole lot of grit. We are Northerners. Subscribe to Between Two Paddles via iTunes now to continue hearing the stories of these folks. You might just be amazed. We always are. getting goosebumps honestly as i tell you this i i feel the hair on the back of my neck sticking out because we're in the thick of it we're in the thick of it reamer minnesota population 391 is best known for being the home of bigfoot in fact starting just a few years ago reamer started hosting the annual bigfoot days This two-day event comes together the weekend after July 4th, hosting Bigfoot experts and researchers, believers and skeptics from around the country. This tiny town swells to thousands, and it was all spurred by one man, inspired to create a space for stories to be shared and to bring a community of believers and skeptics together. So my name's Mark Ruyak, and I grew up in Reamer and am one of the kind of coordinators of the whole home of Bigfoot in Reamer. I met with Mark in Reamer, and we drove to the outskirts of the town and miles down a dirt road to the place he refers to as Bigfoot's main haunt. So we're right now in on what the locals call the East Boundary Road, which is basically a forestry road that nobody lives along for the majority of it and it's deep dark woods in every direction so it is I'm getting goosebumps honestly as I tell you this I I feel the hair on the back of my neck sticking out because we're in the thick of it we're in the thick of it and I literally am getting goosebumps (laughs) and as a kid, I grew up around here, and you can go off in any direction and get into deep, dark places that you can get turned around in really quick and get lost. And this is near where the trail camera picture was taken. This is the area where people come if they want to hear tree knocks, if they want to look for evidence, if they want to get back into the deep, dark woods and have a chance of seeing something related to Bigfoot, whether it's tracks, hair, tree knocks, uh, screams, anything. We walked down a trail, and as the wind blew in the trees, and with sticks breaking all around us, he told me it all started back in 2009 with a trail cam picture. Two brothers set up a camera on their remote hunting property, 
And when they checked the memory card, they discovered a photo taken at night of what looks like an upright figure walking, long strides, dark body, and partially obscured by a tree. Where that photo was taken, I grew up as a child running those woods. It, I saw it on the news and I was thinking, wow, I, you know, that was interesting. I wonder what else there is. And I think the next thing I did was I went online and looked at for Bigfoot research. And that's how I found Bob Olson. Bob Olson is one of two members of the Northern Minnesota Bigfoot research team. He has a whole cabinet of plaster casts and photographs and stories. And I didn't know who he was. I just wanted to learn more in all of this. And it was part of my discovery phase, I guess I call it. But I went and I walked into his place and three hours later, so I walked into his place as a skeptic thinking, huh? And three hours later, I walked out of there and, and I could have stayed another three hours, but I walked out of there absolutely believing that something is out there and absolutely blown away with all the stories and plaster casts of tracks and the multitude of information that these research guys have. And, and seeing all that and thinking to myself, wow, this is, there's a lot here. And then starting to talk to other researchers and talking to other old people within our community and and investigating and it became not this one data point but this huge bucket of sightings and information and history that was part of what pushed me to say we have to open this up because there's too many people that have seen and heard things and aren't talking. So Mark took it upon himself to make something happen. And so I thought we need to do something bigger. And so I uh, talked to the Chamber of Commerce, talked to the city, talked to the Lions Club and said, you know, I really want to head up this uh, initiative to bring people to Reamer to talk about Bigfoot. And so I trademarked the name for Reamer, Home of Bigfoot. And we had a kickoff event the first year in the spring of 2016 in April to kick us off as the home of Bigfoot. And it was a huge event. There were hundreds of people that came from all over and uh, it was a blast. And then in July, we started Bigfoot Days, which is a yearly celebration. He says it's been very well received, but that at first, not everybody liked the idea. There were a lot of skeptics at first and there were a lot of townspeople who uh, were thought this would be bad for Reamer and thought it would put a stigma on Reamer, a bad stigma. And most of those people have now come back to me and said, wow, this was really neat. We never realized there were so many people who have had so many sightings and so many experiences. In fact, the first year that Bigfoot Days happened in Reamer, the team behind Animal Planet series Finding Bigfoot came out to scope out the situation and to dub or not to dub Reamer as the official home of Bigfoot. So I contacted them and told them, hey, we're the home of Bigfoot. We've had a ton of sightings and everything up here. You should come here. So they decided to come here that first year 
in 2016 and they did a show during our Bigfoot days and then they even went out did night tours uh, during that week and also went out and investigated a sighting that happened just north of town. So it was a, a huge event and when they left they that one of the researchers on there said, we truly do believe that Reamer, Minnesota is the home of Bigfoot. So if you're looking for any kind of backup or uh, to our story or anything else, even the Finding Bigfoot crew agreed that Bigfoot is around here and it's a great place to come to look for Bigfoot. So going back to the history I mentioned earlier, it's not a recent thing that in this area of northern Minnesota, especially around Reamer, that there has been a culture and a lineage of Bigfoot stories. So uh, way back in early 1900s, the founder of Reamer, William P. Reamer, supposedly had close encounters with Bigfoot in this area. Um, there are more stories in the early 1910s, 1910 to 1920, of stories uh, around logging camps, of sightings, hair, different things that people couldn't explain. Uh, then there was a period, and I don't know exactly the years, but after that time period where it became common for loggers to have, to see tracks, to have to see something big and dark moving through the woods, to see uh, hair on trees, and it wasn't that, uh, and to find bedding areas, and it wasn't that odd of a thing, that it came like, almost like common knowledge that they were out there, and that there were multiple areas where they were at. Um, uh, one of the two big areas for us, there's another area west of town uh, where it's another deep dark woods area along Big Sand Lake where supposedly Bigfoot would bathe uh, in the early years. So there's, there's a lot of history around Reamer both on the east side and the west side. Then it kind of died out as the logging quit and the forest grew up. Uh, people either didn't see him as much or didn't talk about it to where then it, you know, we got to the 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, and it was almost like a stigma to, to say I saw a Bigfoot or I had, you know, I think I saw a Bigfoot or I saw a track. Like you were kind of a crazy. Right, like you're out there and, you know, really? And that's probably been the neatest thing since we started since we came out as a community as the home of Bigfoot is the absolute number of stories and sightings that people have had and people that I grew up with and didn't know that they had seen something or heard something come out and say you know I had a I had something happen when I was 13 I saw a Bigfoot run in front of our picture window and uh, that was one of my friends from when I was a child. Um, and they so, never told you? No, never, because they, everyone thought, well, I'll, they'll think I'm an idiot and they'll think I'm crazy. Um, and that's probably been the best thing. So there was that period of time, and then now, you know, we had the trail camera picture in 2009. We started our event, and now you 
hear of things more often and people aren't afraid to come out and say, here's what I saw. We had a gentleman uh, plowing a road in February of this year who came to see me in March and April and he took me out to the place, but he said, my son and I were plowing snow out here and we came around the corner, it was snowing real heavy and we both saw something move through the woods. And he said, we stopped and all of a sudden we saw sticks and huge logs flying in the air. And he, his interpretation was that Bigfoot was angry, but he took me out there and way up in the trees, there's this huge log about 10 feet long and about a foot in diameter up in the very top branches of a tree and there's no other trees snapped off or broken or anything anywhere around there so like he said you know if I'm telling a story how did that log get up there because there's no other way it couldn't have, could have gotten up there so uh, it's things like that and stories like that that people are willing to tell now that in the past they weren't because of the stigma so it's kind of progressed from the very early sightings to the commonplace to it's a stigma and there's not as many sightings to now it's becoming more commonplace and people aren't afraid to say, you know, I think I might have heard Bigfoot last night or saw him or I was out in the woods and something happened. So. But what about the possibility that people play off this belief, that people fake signs and make up stories? You know, I the... I've gotten to know the research teams pretty well, and they, when they go look at things, they're serious, and they're not, they're not looking at it just to publicize it. They're looking at it to say, is this Bigfoot or is this nothing? And uh, I believe that if people fake things, they uncover that right away. And I'm sure they've gone to look at some things, and it's not. Bigfoot and they tell the people right away that this isn't Bigfoot and or did you do this or did you do that uh, they're smart enough uh, they've seen enough of these things that they know uh, what to look for I mean they even like when they find tracks they look at where the pressure points are and everything else so I mean they're not just looking at a track and saying yep that's a big footprint they're looking at where was the weight applied and everything else. So they're, they're pretty good at what they do. These research teams Mark refers to are both the Northern Minnesota Bigfoot research team, consisting of Bob Olson and Don Sherman, who are both from up north, and the Minnesota Bigfoot research team, founded by Abe Del Rio, who's from the metro area. While photos of their target are pretty rare, these teams investigate suspicious sign to determine a likely Bigfoot presence, and they collect evidence and stories. They might also go out into remote areas to actively look for sign, which anyone can do. If you're interested in going out on your own Bigfoot search, here's something you can try. You can knock on a tree with a, with a big piece of wood and listen and if there's a Bigfoot in the area, he'll knock back. And it's a way of communicating for them. And it, when you do that, it is, it'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It'll, some people think, oh, this is nothing. And, and, or they think, I'm going to go out and do a tree knock. And they're tough and bold, and they walk out to a dark area. Oh, I'm not afraid. And they knock on a tree, and when you hear a knock back, people freak out and they want to get out of the woods. 
So it's fun to do. <laughs> While the possibility of being communicated with by Bigfoot may seem terrifying, Mark argues that when it comes to these beings, it's not all negative. I think they're misunderstood, you know, because they like the deep, dark woods and they're a big, hairy animal. And, you know, I, I think that's kind of interesting because when people don't know about Bigfoot, it's a big, scary thing. Or like I talked about before, going out at night and hearing tree knocks, you know, it's everybody's big and bold and tough until you get into a dark woods and something answers you back. And it's frightening for us as humans because it's the unknown. And I, I don't believe they're harmful or malicious or, or anything like that. I believe they're a friendly creature and that they're probably just as curious or probably know more about us than we do about them mm -hmm. uh, because I'm sure they watch us and they know what's going on and what we do and where we move and yeah, yeah I, I absolutely believe that they're more a more docile uh, creature curious uh, they want to have their own life but but you know if there was someone in need you know how do people survive when they get lost in the woods you know right. you never know yeah, yeah. So another fascinating aspect of this mystery surrounding Bigfoot is the viewpoint of the local Ojibwe tribe. Don Sherman, a member of the Northern Minnesota Bigfoot research team and a member of the Leech-like Band of Ojibwe, was quoted in the Duluth News Tribune, In Ojibwe, the word for Bigfoot means wild man. Indians believe that Bigfoot beings were sent by the creator long ago to guide and care for Indian people and give warnings. Nobody knows if they are human or animal. Some Native Americans say that they can change themselves and go into a different dimension and disappear right in front of you. And Mark says that now, with a place for people who believe in Bigfoot to gather, many of the people with stories to share are in fact members of the tribe. Our first kickoff event, there were a, a, a huge amount of natives there to tell stories and to listen and to learn and there have been at each of our events so it's been really interesting they're they're not it's it's partially spiritual partially here and there and some have even said they're they have the ability to come and go you know like not always be a an actual creature on the earth but they can they can go more like a spirit there's also, I've talked to people who believe they're some sort of aliens, the wrong word, but some sort of connection with the, the outer space. Uh, so there's, there's a bunch of different thoughts and theories, and probably the neatest thing I've been told is I spend a lot of woods, a lot of time in the woods. I love to hunt and fish, and I'm out in the woods all the time. Um, and a guy once said to me, you're an outdoorsman and I said yep and he said have you ever seen a bear skeleton in the woods and I said no I haven't and he goes do you believe that bears exist and I said absolutely and he said but you've never seen a skeleton of one in the woods and he said isn't that odd and he said same thing with the Bigfoot they exist and just because you haven't seen a skeleton in the woods doesn't mean they don't and I thought what a what a wonderful uh 
connection there. Absolutely true. Hmm. So do you believe in Bigfoot? I do. Yep, I do. And I do believe that there's something out there, and I do believe that uh, what people see and hear, and I don't believe it's all made up or coincidence or anything. I believe there's something out there. So obviously, as the founder of Bigfoot Days, one might think that Mark is just cashing in on this whole thing, faking even his personal belief in Bigfoot. But listening to him talk, I honestly get the impression that he sincerely believes, and that the average person who also believes is not this cliched, eccentric redneck. My experience has been is the average believer is uh, a averagely educated person who has a high school diploma, has a good job, middle-aged, and initially they had a stigma against telling their story, but because we have this openness about Bigfoot up here, they come tell their story, and they're really middle-class America, and that's really the average person. Of course, you have some intellectuals who we had a guy last year that came and stayed in the area for 10 days, and he was an uh, Ivy League-educated guy who, uh, who was searching for any kind of clues and tracks, and he went anytime he heard of anything. And he, heard, he would go around town in the evenings, talk to people, and if he heard something, he would go look at it and investigate it. And he found all kinds of, of evidence and information, um, and that's probably the upper end of the spectrum down to the, you know, we have children that have, have swear they've seen Bigfoot or heard Bigfoot. So it, it ranges the gamut. And uh, I, would, I would say the average is the average American. But in the back of their head, they have this story where at some point in their life, they came in contact with Bigfoot. And Mark has a good heart. By starting Bigfoot Days, he really does just want to bring the community together in a positive and open way. The whole goal of it was to eliminate the stigma so that people who had had close encounters, sightings, experiences, felt comfortable enough to tell their story. And so we trademarked Reamer as the home of Bigfoot so that people had a place to come and say, I've seen Bigfoot, or I heard him, or, you know, when I was a child, I, I saw this or heard this, and not feel like somebody's going to say you're crazy. Because in Reamer, it's not crazy. You can go tell your story to anyone in Reamer, Minnesota, and they're going to want to hear it, and they're going to think it's cool, and probably they're going to tell you to call me, or they're going to call me and say, hey, so-and-so saw him. So if you've got a Bigfoot story to share, or you're just interested in visiting and finding out more, don't miss out on the annual Bigfoot Days, the weekend after July 4th. We do a 5K run in the morning, which 
there's no 5k run in the world where you can run with Bigfoot and Bigfoot actually we have a guy in a costume that runs along with the runners so it's a fun thing we have a barbecue contest we have storytelling on Friday night and Saturday we have Bigfoot calling contests it's just this huge festival of oh and the research teams are here to to talk about and show uh, plaster casts of footprints and everything else so it's a huge event to learn and to tell stories and to be around other people that have seen or heard about Bigfoot. Big thank you to Mark Ruyak for not only sharing his story with me, but for also authentically and sincerely working towards bringing forth positive connection in the little town of Reamer. Even if Bigfoot is not your thing, I hope Mark's story inspires you to believe that you too can inspire connection and create change in your local community. If you want to learn more about Bigfoot Days or get in touch with Mark, you can contact him through the Home of Bigfoot Facebook page or through homeofbigfoot.com. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to Between Two Paddles via iTunes. This episode was brought to you by The Lake & Co. with music by Trample by Turtles and Ken Ham. Don't forget to let us know about your stories. Email me at kim at Thanks again. Keep telling your stories. Till next time.